You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to Here and Now podcast. I am super, super excited for today's episode. I have Allison Santafonte today from Live Action Organization. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sophia. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Yeah. So honestly, let's just dive right in. Why don't you tell everybody about yourself and give a little introduction? Sure. So my name is Allison Zenefonte. I work for Live Action. Live Action is a human rights organization. This online actually focused in the pro-life movement. So we are working to educate on abortion, on the industry, and really working to change. We're seeing minds changed on abortion every day and lives being saved. So it's very cool work. It, it is growing in a big way. And I love answering hard questions about this. I know for many, it's a hard, hostile topic. It's always, uh, you know, in political discussions, and it's just a privilege to get to advocate for, for truth, and I think for little ones who don't necessarily have advocates all the time. So I am married of four years. I have a little baby. She's just about to be a year old, and so I'm in that whole new mom working full-time thing, and just a daughter, a friend, uh, a Christian, someone that's looking to, to help make a difference in the world. So what is your role with live action? So I'm director of external affairs here, which kind of captures a lot of things. I do a lot of communication, public relations, helping with our event planning and our gov relations. We have an office in DC, an office in LA and people spread out across the country. We are a really neat mobile, you know, tight nonprofit that's working to, you know, get the best people on the team here that care about life, are persuasive and innovative and creative in the way they do it. And I've just been able to, at times, help represent live action. We have an amazing founder and president, Lila Rose. Sophia, we should talk about her story. Uh, for your listeners who are maybe younger, yeah, Lila started live action when she was just like 15 years old, and then it grew when she went to college. And essentially, you know, in college in California, she realized, you know, what's going on? There's like a lot of things happening, but there's no babies. There's no pregnancies. So she went into her campus health center and and asked, hey, you know, I'm a student and what if I was pregnant? And essentially was told we will do nothing to take care of that baby except help you get an abortion. We do not take care of pregnant students. And she was pretty shocked by that. And so she started thinking, well, maybe that's like an outlier. Maybe I just got a weird employee. And she started going to other abortion facilities, health clinics, Planned Parenthood, and documenting these conversations and kind of exposing how callous a lot of these employees are to young girls in maybe unplanned pregnancies, how abortion seems to be their only answer. And there really wasn't support for women. So Part of what we're doing at Live Action, and she's built out a team to expose that industry that makes money from those conversations, you know, pushing girls towards abortion, because they make money from that. They don't make money if you choose life, but also building out a team at Live Action who's ready to help 
you know, to help and say, hey, if you are in an unplanned pregnancy, here's some resources. Here's what you need to know. And we get those stories all the time and are able to help girls through that, you know, next season of life. That is so, so amazing. I mean, I was telling you, this is the first time that I'm really hourly speaking about this. And I I really do have such a strong stance for pro-life that every life matters. And I, I love that it really is just at the core of who you guys are. So let's dive into the hard questions. How can we go about taking action for pro-life matters? I think education is first. You know, people right now who are listening who are like, I don't know what I am. Maybe I'll turn this off. I'm not sure if I'm pro-life for abortion for choice or what. I just really encourage you to know what you're talking about. When we go at live action and ask people, do you consider yourself pro-life, pro-choice, or neither? They'll often say, oh, I'm pro-choice, definitely. And then we'll say, okay, can you take three minutes and watch this video and tell me your thoughts? And what we've done is we've, we've got a former abortionist who will talk about the procedure in a medical way and shows it in a medical animation. And Sophia, I'm going to be honest, I've shown this video in Times Square and I've been petrified. I thought people yeah. are going to freak out. They're going to, they're going to punch the iPad and punch me. Like, <laughs> but no, that's not happened. People watch this three minute video and it's not gory. It's just a medical animation of the abortion procedure and they can't look away. And I always pause when they take the headphones off just to hear what their first reaction is. And they'll say, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it. So I think the first step is education because we have these national conversations about abortion and people can't even describe what it is. That's a problem. And that includes leaders, that includes politicians. They don't know and haven't been given the opportunity really to, to, to be shown. So I encourage you and others, people listening, go to anyonecanchange.org, go to abortionprocedures.com and check out these videos. In less than 10 minutes, you'll see. And then you decide for yourself if that is the way that we should treat the most innocent among us. If that is the way we should treat a child, what we were, right? You and me and every single one of us, that's us. And, you know, right now in society, girls your age and my age are being told that women's empowerment is dismembering your child and killing your child and making sure you have access to abortion, right? But isn't pitting yourself against the most vulnerable, innocent demographic, isn't that oppression aren't we oppressing that little baby isn't why are we as women told that we have to kill our children in order to succeed in society it's cruel it's sick it's wrong and i think there are and i see a whole generation of people speaking up and saying no no more no more do we get to do this no more abortion for any reason taxpayer funded there is no good reason for abortion and, and that's what live action is working towards. They're working to end it and eliminate it. Honestly, just love what you guys are doing. And I have seen those videos that you're talking about. And honestly, you know, I'm pro-life too, but just seeing those things, it just makes you believe in it even more. That just makes you take even more of a stand. And I would love to see those reactions of people who are seeing that for the first time. I mean, I'm sure it's very shocking, but at the same time, you're just like, wow, I, I just had no idea. Yeah. So, 
with your platform being on social media, have you guys experienced any sort of censorship? Yeah, a great question. We have. So while you can go on YouTube and watch your videos while they're still up, but those reaction videos are there. If you go on YouTube, uh, go to live action films, you'll see us showing people of all different ages in like San Francisco, New York, Chicago, these videos, and you'll see the reactions. It's really powerful. That's on our live action page. And as far as suppression, it's really been an issue for us. You know, we, because of our model, we're a digital leader. We are the digital leader. We play by the rules, Sophia. You know, we have to in order to continue to grow. But even playing within the rules of Facebook, Pinterest, TikTok, Twitter, we've been engaged with ongoing battles. Right now, our president and founder, Lila Rose, who I mentioned, and our organization, Live Action, are both banned from advertising on Twitter. So we can post, but we can't put any money behind it in the same way that you know Planned Parenthood does on the pro-abortion side. When we asked Twitter why that was, we have an email documentation. They said, it's because you show ultrasound and you talk about defunding Planned Parenthood. That's why we cannot advertise, because we talk about defunding the nation's largest abortion provider. So to me and to you know, anyone that's logical, that is clear bias, it's unfair, it's a double standard for pro-lifers versus pro-abortion folks. TikTok tried to kick us off and just erase our account. We fought that pretty hard and got some amazing help to, you know, just even members of Congress will step up, big leaders online, say, hey, they're the biggest pro-life organization on TikTok. What are you doing? Literally, we're just making funny videos, as funny as we can be, to just point out how illogical these conversations are. It's, you know, they're cute. They're cute baby videos. Pinterest labeled us as pornography, which is incredibly bizarre. Pinterest labeled live actions account as pornography on a blacklist, which means no one could link to liveaction.org because they had liveaction.org on the pornography list. And when a whistleblower, a brave, brave young man named Eric Cochran, he worked at Pinterest, he, he contacted um, us and others and said, hey guys, this is a problem. He was swiftly fired for that. They didn't fix it. They didn't say, thanks, Eric. We got this one wrong. They doubled down and they said, keep live action on the porn list and Eric, you're fired. Eric has since gotten a job in the movement, which is great. But these are the kind of things that we're seeing all the time. And so if you want to be rebellious, if you want to be woke, then go find out what you're not being exposed to. You know, we've on Facebook had videos of a, you know, I think it was a 20-week-old baby on life support. And we've said, hey, this baby on life support can be killed legally in the womb at the same age. So we were trying to point out, you got a 20-week-old baby on life support or a 20-week-old baby being killed in the womb. The same baby, same age, same features. And Facebook had blocked it. Now, and they said, oh, you can't show show surgery, which is, it wasn't showing surgery. So thankfully, Sophia, we've been able to push back. We, we email all of our contacts. Because we're the biggest, I think we get the attention, right? But it's hugely problematic. I think the pro-life movement gets really upset because they're like, look, if you can block live action, they can block me. You know, so we're going to keep the pressure on and we keep growing because we have the best content, the best message. But it's not been easy. They haven't made it easy for us to continue to share the truth. So really, if you want to be woke, if you want to be educated, 
go find out what they're not being exposing you to. The algorithms might not show you our stuff. Planned Parenthood ads will be promoted to you, but we can't get ads to you. So make sure that you, all, all listeners, and I'm not saying you, Sophia, because like you said you're pro-life, but you know, we all have to make sure that we are getting both sides of the story and we're questioning why they're not letting us see simply what an abortion is or what the abortion industry does. As somebody who has followings for Catholic accounts and, you know, pro-life accounts, I don't see your stuff at all. I have to go actively search it out. And that's like, it's disheartening because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you're promoting things that are faith-based, you're going to get blocked and you're going to get blacklisted, like you said. So I feel so sad that that's kind of what the world has come to for censoring things that are the truth and for big things like you guys. You guys are speaking hard truths, but it's truths that need to be heard. So I commend you 100% for fighting back as hard as you have and what you will continue to do. And I know you guys have such a good audience kind of rallying around you that are, you know, that are fighting back with you. So what are some of the things that we need to know to begin advocating for pro-life? So there's a lot that can be done locally and nationally. I think locally, it's important to know a few things. One where your local abortion facilities are, and two, where your local pregnancy resource centers are. And here's why. If you start getting involved in this, you're going to start interacting and having these conversations. We need to be able to point people towards help. Now, the great thing is that there are more pregnancy resource centers than there are Planned Parenthood. There are amazing people, usually people of faith, that have stepped up, rented buildings, gathered clothes, diapers, parenting resources, an ultrasound machine, like really working so hard. They'll rent out buses and vans to get people from the abortion facility to their center to get an ultrasound, to see that baby, to hear that heartbeat. We need to know where that is so that when we either online or in person encounter women that may be considering abortion, we can get them the help that they need. And I also say it's important to know where your local abortion facilities are because, you know, I've been pro-life for a long time, Sophia, and I actually didn't engage in too much sidewalk advocacy, which is what we call just being present at the abortion facility and, you know, praying and and having interactions and conversations. I just didn't think that was my thing. You know, I I thought, ah, that's for other people. But I was at at an event once and they took me to their local abortion facility and in pulls this car a guy and a girl are in it. He's driving. She gets out, head down. She goes into the abortion facility and he's, you know, he's in distress. He's like 25. And some of these sidewalk advocates just go over to the car. They're like, the guys are like, Hey man, what's going on? And this kid is like, Hey, you know, we just broke up, but she's pregnant. I didn't know where else to go. They're like, all right, all right. Like, let's, let's talk. Let's slow this down a little bit. Like, and the men, it was really cool. This just, we need strong men. The men just talk to him like, listen, like if she's pregnant, is that, if they confirm she's pregnant, that's, that's your kid in there. That's your kid. And this might be the only kid you ever get. And how are you feeling? Like you, you know, they just talked through that. And then when she came out, she was able to talk to some of the women there and the women were like, some of them had their own stories of unplanned pregnancy and how scary it was. But they brought her on to this big, beautiful bus that they had tricked out into, you know, a mobile like ultrasound unit. And they, they got her an ultrasound, which she wasn't allowed to see in the abortion facility. They didn't let her see it there. 
So she wanted to to see, and and she saw that beautiful little heartbeat, and saw that there's life happening and growing, and was able to talk to a nurse about you know prenatal development and the fact that the heartbeat started at 21 days and it's detectable at six weeks and and here you know the resources and the support for her and I'll never forget my heart was beating so fast Sophia because in that moment you're like this is life or death for this kid right and it's completely legal for her to go end the life of that child and he can't do anything I can't do anything and so I would say for anyone on the fence or, or, or even pro-life and just kind of losing that zeal, go down to your abortion facility and just take some time to pray. And you may have a God appointment where this interaction happens and you have a chance to speak truth and love. And my sister used to do this in New York City. She was so brave. And she wrote these little letters that said, be brave, sweet girl. And it just would say, she'd hand it and say, hey, please read this. And it said, be brave, sweet girl. We're here for you, whatever you need, whatever you're going through. You know, we want to pray for you and help provide for you. And we're here for you. And just that, that little moment of love allowed girls to leave the abortion facility that is cold and dark and sterile. And, and often, if you read the Yelp reviews, sketchy and, and focused on death and turn around and leave and talk to someone focused on life, her life and that baby's life. And look, it doesn't mean they had to get married or they had to stay together, right? Like there's a lot of solutions to that breakup, but it definitely didn't mean that someone had to die because of it. And that baby had to die. And then that girl had to forever mourn and remember her child in that way. So those are two big things. Know where your resources are, know where the abortion facility is, and if you start losing that zeal, go, because every day, life or death for people. And if you can think of one post-abortive woman you know that regrets it, go do it for her. Keep her in mind, because every day there's more and more women walking that path that will forever regret it, be saddened by it, sometimes unable to have future children because of it. And so we don't want that, right? We want healing. We want life. That's such an awesome perspective. And I remember when I watched Unplanned when it came out and how there was just a whole new world that opened up for me that wanted me to kind of pursue that pro-life movement even more when you saw just the behind the scenes of it all. So did you guys see an influx of people start advocating after Unplanned came out specifically? Yeah, Unplanned was great. Actually, Lila's in Unplanned. She has a little cameo. I don't know if you did you catch it when you watched it? I don't know that I did. What yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> it was really quick. So we flew out to where they were recording and Lila plays the reporter outside of the abortion facility. And so you all have to go watch it again and see if you can see her. But she plays a reporter and interviews, I think it was the abortion facility owner about the pro-lifers who were there you know, saying what do you think are they so scary but we did unplanned was amazing in the sense that it allowed i think a lot of people to see inside the industry for the first time and also to see what an abortion particularly a first trimester abortion is i think it's too easy to think oh you know second and third trimester abortions yeah i'm against those but like eh, first trimester maybe it's not a big deal you just take a pill and you know then you're not pregnant anymore well well 
planned really ripped the, the veil off of that idea because it showed pretty accurately about the pain that comes when going through a first trimester abortion. And I've heard from many women, not just the actress in that, but many, many women who have gone through it and said, yep, that's accurate. I thought I was going to die. It was so painful. What's really dangerous is the abortion industry is moving in that direction of doing more and more and more first trimester abortions. It's easier for them, right? They just hand out a pill. They don't have to do the surgery. They make more money off it. They can do more first trimester abortions in a day. And um, as their facilities are shutting down, because thankfully we are shutting down physical facilities, the pro the pro abortion movement and in the industry is heading on towards like online distribution of these pills. They're figuring out ways to make it legal to get these pills into the hands of people without doctors, without the in-person visit. What's really sick, Sophia, is during COVID, the industry used COVID as a kind of reason to get rid of that in-person visit for the first pill I talked to you about that says like you have to go in and get the first pill. The industry said, no, 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 it's too dangerous. And they pleaded to the FDA to say, we, we don't, we can't, don't force women to get that first visit in person. Well, one reason why that's really dangerous is because now we don't have an opportunity for her to be assessed. Her, her pregnancy to potentially could be ectopic, which means the egg has implanted outside of the uterus. If you have take the abortion pill and you have an ectopic pregnancy that could rupture and kill you, that's, you don't have a chance to get an ultrasound to see that. So there's so many things the industry's doing that's focused on money, not safety, not you know health and wellness. But Unplanned drew a lot of people in. I think opened eyes for people to go, wow, is that true? You know, And we saw a lot of questions, a lot of people coming into the fold and saying, I want to get involved. I want to be a part of this movement. I want to save babies. That was great. That's that's incredible. And yeah, it, it really is just so sad to see how COVID has impacted that and they're using it. They're almost being opportunists to kind of jump on that and kind of make it go their way. So can you speak about, you know, what in your mind would be the number one argument to combat those who are pro-abortion, pro-choice? Yeah. So I think it's important to realize that most people don't have the education that they, that we may have seen, right? So I think it's really easy to think, okay, everyone has their, has taken their position and it's really well thought out. And that's not the case, right? Like a lot of people that we talk to and interview have never been told about the industry, told about the procedure. They've never questioned it. They kind of just bought in, the woman can do whatever she wants. So I think a really important argument to remember is that at the moment of conception, there is unique DNA. That is a human being with their own bodily rights. They are 100% human like you and I are. And I think it becomes really simple at that point. Do you have the right to kill someone for their inconvenience to your life? No, no, not at all. And so I think I always try and give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think there are some people on the pro-abortion side who are pretty evil and you know, pretty hard set in their ways. They are pro-death. They are completely fine with killing someone. But I think the majority of people who consider themselves pro-choice are just confused. And so I think our goal should be to untie the braid for them, you know, to undo the confusion and ask a lot of questions. Questions like, 
where would you draw the line on abortion? You know, are you up, are you for abortion through all nine months? Most will say no, no, no. So you say, well, where where would you draw the line? And I had this conversation with a friend in Nashville, for example. He comes up to me. He's like, look, I see what you're doing. I know you're pro-life. I just think that you know, once there's a heartbeat, you shouldn't be able to get an abortion. And I'm like, cool, cool. All right. So when do you think that happens? When do you think your heartbeat happens? He's like. I don't know, like what, like third, second, third trimester? And I was like, no, actually, a heartbeat can begin at 21 days. And it's detectable as early as six weeks. And he's like, what? I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, you're a lot more pro-life than you thought you were, right? He's like, yeah, well, if that's the case, then like, I would say six weeks is my cutoff or 21 days or whatever, right? And that is progress. I want him to become fully pro-life where he is pro-life from the moment of conception. But now we have a conversation. We're talking, right? He's now moved from second and third trimester to heartbeat. So asking questions about maybe where they would draw the line um, is going to clarify for you maybe and for them where their heart and their head is at. Number two, I think there are a lot of people who are confused about rape and incest and life as a mother. And I get that. I do think that that is the hardest conversation to have. I'll start, you know, with, with the rape, with the rape angle. Rape is the most cruel thing that can happen, I think, to a woman in a relationship or whatever, you know, in an assault. And we must condemn rapists. And I'm horrified that that is taking place in our society. We should penalize those criminals more than anyone. I think what they've taken away from a woman is unjust, it's taken away innocence, it's terrible. But the reality is in our society, we do not we do not give rapists the death penalty. The United States Supreme Court has actually ruled that you can't give rapists the death penalty. And so now what we're seeing is the only person who's penalized with death for a rape is that unborn child if that woman gets pregnant. And I've met women that have been born out of rape. So my friend Kathy Barnett, you can go watch her video on live action. Just type in live action, Kathy Barnett with a K. Her mom was raped. Yeah. And like, she found out later that that's what her conception was like. And it broke her heart, of course. But like, now Kathy's out there speaking up and saying, my life matters. I have purpose. You know, God put me here for a reason, even through that circumstance and her mom choosing life, even in the hardest of circumstances is such a it's so powerful and you know we've talked to a lot of rape survivors who have said you know either that they've regretted their abortion or that choosing life was the only good thing the only redemptive thing and I hope no woman is ever in that position I would you know I again it's the most tragic thing but it's not my opinion that matters it's the opinion of women who have been through it and who say, I chose life and that saved my life. I don't think I could have endured a rape and the violence of an abortion. The violence had to stop. They experienced violence with the rape and the violence wasn't going to continue. You know, it needed to now be about love and life. So that's, that's on rape. I think there's the realization that no matter how you're conceived, your life has a purpose and you, your heartbeat is here for a reason is one thing to push back on. And on Life of the Mother, we've got great, great medical professionals who've talked about the fact that, look, you know, 
there are movies out there where, you know, the dad has to pick between the mom and the baby. They're in the hospital and the mom, you know, blood uh, pressure is dropping and pick, pick, pick. Who is it going to be? And I kind of thought it was going to be like that, to feel like I had a baby and I was scared of that situation. So the more and more research I did, though, the more I was encouraged that if something happens during pregnancy or during labor where they need to separate the mom and the child, the answer to that and the fastest, safest answer to that is either emergency C-section or inducing labor. So for a friend of mine, who their mom had preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure, they did need to separate the baby from the mom. So they did induce labor early and got the preeclampsia under control or an emergency C-section. But there is no need to go in and brutally dismember a child, starve a child, inject a child, pull them apart in order to save the life of the mom. The Dublin Declaration is thousands of OBGYNs and medical professionals agreeing to that. So this life of the mother thing where you hear these crazy rare stories of, you know, if I didn't have my abortion, I would have died. You got to look into that and, and pull up the fact that sometimes those late term abortions actually took longer than an emergency C-section would have or inducing labor would have or a fetal abnormality. Same, same situation there if the baby has, you know, Down syndrome or um, an filling. The answer is life. Is the goal is to save the life of both mom and child, to truly love them both, not kill one to save the other. And I will say this: looked at, say that moms do so much better to the end. They do better when they're given a chance to see their child, be with their child, even if that child passes shortly after. There is closure and a story to tell, versus a secret to hide, and no closure and wondering what your baby looked like. And, and I'll, I'll say, I'll wrap here. You can see that with Chrissy Peepin. Chrissy Peepin just shared her story of miscarriage, if you're following a little bit. So tragic, so sad. And I just saw an interview the other day. She said, I wish I, I saw his face. I didn't, I didn't get to see or hold my baby. And so, you know, miscarriage is different than abortion, but I think it points to the fact that, you know, moms want to have that closure with their child. And when you go through an abortion, you don't get to have that opportunity. So big word called palliative care, perinatal and palliative care, which is taking care of children with, you know, fetal abnormalities and treating them in a way that is loving and kind. So that was a long answer. I hope you're still (laughs) with me, but I feel really strongly on this. I can tell. And I love that. That conviction is something that we all need to have kind of just on fire inside of us. So do you have any last words of advice or anything that you want to offer to the audience on how we can start to really have this zeal for being pro-life? Yeah. Well, thank you for being pro-life and for giving me a chance to talk about it. I encourage everybody listening to follow live action on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Parler, Clubhouse, whatever you're using. We want to hear from you. We want you to be a part of the conversation. We want to answer the hard questions. We literally exist to serve you and to save lives. And so I will encourage you that if you join our movement, speak up for life, take small steps of brave action, you will see lives saved. And I can't wait, if you're a believer, to get to heaven and meet all the people that we saved, all the women that, you know, God sent along our path. And even though we face suppression and a lot of obstacles, I've been amazed the way that God aligns our messages to get in front of the right people at the right time to change hearts and minds and save some lives. So 
just be encouraged. You're on the side of science, uh, reason, logic, compassion, tolerance, inclusivity. This is the true human rights movement. And this human rights abuse, if we can fix this, we will be taking care of children, babies, women, men, families, and be a unified force to go fight these other human rights abuses that come out of a lack of concern for human life. So let's get that thing, that, that straight first. Let's care for human life at its earliest of conception. And then we can go after all these other very, very important rights and movements that, that will flow from it. Amen. I love it. And of course, I have so many, so many other questions that I want to talk about. But the last one to wrap up is what is your handle on your social media accounts? So I can link it below. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Well, I'm new. I'm, I, I feel like I'm still newly married. So I don't remember all my handles, but it's, my full name is Allison Howard Centafonte. So you can find me I, on Instagram. I think at Allison Centafonte. And on Twitter, it's like Allison HC, I think, or something. I'm so bad, but maybe you can add it in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and they can find me there. Amazing. And of course, live actions, all of their social medias will be down in the show notes below. But Allison, this is amazing. And I am so glad that I had the opportunity to share your knowledge with my audience. Sophia, thank you so much. I'm really excited to see what comes of it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Here Now Podcast. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.